What I want us to do tonight is to talk about some unexpected commandments of God. You know, in order, and and I wrote this wrong on the outline, I, I have it right on the PowerPoint slide, but in Matthew chapter 28, if you have your Bible, you might want to turn there. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, many of you can quote it, you don't even need to look, but the passage says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching uh, by baptizing and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. There are two participles in that passage that tell us how we make disciples and how we're to do that. We make disciples by baptizing them. There are no unbaptized disciples of Jesus today. If you're a follower of Christ, you have been baptized into Christ. That's how we do it. And we also do it by teaching them to obey all things whatsoever the Lord commands. You see, that's important to know because I don't have to know everything the Lord says before I say I'm going to be one of his followers. I may have told you, but I had a Bible study with a man once and he said, you know, I, I know that the Bible says I'm supposed to be baptized. I know that the Bible says I'm supposed to repent and believe in Jesus. But listen, there's so much more about the Bible that I don't yet know. I don't think that I can commit to following Jesus yet because there's more that I still have to learn. Well, listen, if that's your approach, you'll never obey because there will always be things. It's an ever-growing, ever-learning process. God doesn't say, you have to learn it all, then become my disciple. He says, this is what you have to do. You have to be baptized into Christ, and you have to commit yourself to obey me in whatever I command you to do. That doesn't mean you have to know everything he's going to command you to do, but you have to come into it with the commitment, you're Lord, you're my master, and I'm going to follow you. And whatever you ask me to do, that will I do. That's the import of that passage. Being a follower of Jesus means that I am committed to obeying all the commandments of Jesus. And so isn't that so much better than picking a particular command and saying, listen, I'm going to convince people that they need to be baptized into Christ. Okay, well, that's great. And so I get them committed to being baptized into Christ, but they're not committed to Jesus. And I got them to see I got to be baptized, but I didn't get them to see you have to obey the Lord in all things. It's more than just being baptized. It's allowing him to be Lord of your life. And so it's a, it's a matter of focus. But there are some commands of God in that do whatever I command you to do that just don't sound like they're really commands that would ever come from God. There are some things that God has asked people in history and even under the new covenant that I would never have guessed that God would say that is something that I want you to do. Sometimes we have preconceived notions about God and we just dismiss certain concepts offhand because they don't sound like they ring true to me. Well, whether they ring true to you or not isn't the determining factor for truth. It's what does the Bible say. And so I want us to look just three commands tonight that I think 
we look at, they don't sound right on the surface. But I want you to see that they are things that God has commanded us. The first one is this. God has commanded us to stop praying. What? Stop praying? I mean, I thought the Bible says to pray. Um, in fact, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Are you kidding me, Steve? God wouldn't tell us to stop praying. What if I told you he did? He has commanded people to stop praying. In fact, if you have your Bible, open it. Go, let's, let's go back to Exodus chapter 14. And let's look at a story. <clears throat> we know the setting well. Moses has been, um, has come back to Egypt and confronted Pharaoh and said, hey, listen, let my people go. God has sent me. He wants it. And so the plagues have come and it's time for everybody to leave. And, and Moses eventually, Pharaoh relents and off goes Moses and all these Israelites and they march out into the wilderness and they're backed up against the Red Sea. And Pharaoh hardens his heart and says, go get those folks. I'm not going to let them off this scot-free. I, I, I want them back. And so the army takes off. And I don't know exactly how it worked or if they could see in the distance, you know, the dust cloud kicked up by the chariots uh, that are coming their way. But I do know they knew they were coming. At some point, they saw the armies are coming and we're in deep trouble. We're not armed. We've been slaves for, for 400 years. We're not prepared to take on the Egyptian army. We're going to get slaughtered here. And so it was very disconcerting to them. Look at what it says in chapter 14 and verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. They saw what was coming. And they lifted their eyes to heaven. Lord, help us. They're coming. We don't stand a chance. Lord, help us. They cried out to the Lord. They were praying to God. And you know what I find interesting? What did God tell those Israelites who were praying to him? He said, stop. Look at what it says in verse 17. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. Uh, well, excuse me, back up just a little bit. And the Lord said to Moses, verse 15 is what I meant to have. Verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. You see, there's a time for prayer. But there is also a time when you stop praying and you go forward, you act. And, and they, they had cried out to the Lord. The Lord had heard them. But now it's time to quit crying out and move. Do something. Move forward. And you know, that can't that also in principle be applied to us today? Can we sit and pray and pray and pray about things and the answers to our prayer are in our own hands and in our own lips and in our own feet? It's fine to pray. 
Lord, help this community to come to know Jesus as their Savior. Help this community to, to fall in love with you. And we can pray that all day long, all night long, for years and years. But isn't there a time when we have to go forward and move? Get off your knees and go talk to your neighbor. Get off your knees and speak to people about Jesus. Stop praying and march forward. You see, prayer's good. We're supposed to do it. But sometimes the answer we need isn't in prayer. It's in action. God is saying, listen, I hear your prayers. I've heard your prayers. I'll answer your prayers. But you have to do something. Don't forget that we are the instruments of God's providence. When God wants to accomplish something, oftentimes he accomplishes it through people. And so I have to make myself available to God to to do the good that he wants to do. So there are times when God said, stop praying, move forward. All right, let's look at another thing. God has commanded, don't feed the hungry. Well, what? God would never say that. Yeah, 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 he would. Wait, I, I mean, the God of the Bible, I mean, Jesus was compassionate. He loved people. He wouldn't say, don't feed the hungry. I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. That's what Christians are known for. We're to be a compassionate people and we reach out in the mission, uh, you know, of Jesus and we, and we, we help people that are poor and downtrodden. We, we come to lift those kind of people up. God said, don't feed the hungry. Well, Steve, you're going to have to prove it to me on that one. I just can't hardly buy that. Well, let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And let's look at what the Apostle Paul said. And by way of commandment. He said uh, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 10. For even when we were with you, listen, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Paul, by inspiration, said, we commanded you that if a guy is too lazy to work, he shouldn't be helped. He let him go hungry. Neither let him eat. Now, he's obviously not talking about all people who are poor and downtrodden. I mean, there's obviously Jesus came to lift people up, and and we're to be an extension of Jesus in doing that very thing. But there are some hungry who need to stay that way. And Paul said, I command you, let those who are not willing to work go hungry. That's hard for some people to handle because their view of Jesus is so, is a, a mis, a misimagined view. He was just this man who loved everybody in such a way that he met everybody's needs and just did everything. You know, if you wanted this, he gave you that. And if you wanted that, he gave you that. And, and, and that's how they pictured Jesus, but that's not the Jesus of the Bible. 
You see, God has placed within us responsibility. As a father, I have responsibilities. As a husband, I have responsibilities. Um, as a son, I have responsibilities. To try to skirt those God-given responsibilities that I have in the home is wrong. And the church should not be a party to a person avoiding what God tells them they are to do. We can't enable people to escape the responsibility that God said, I want you to... If a man is too lazy, unwilling to work, he may get hungry. But you know what? God says, let him get hungry. Maybe it'll wake him up. Maybe he'll go out and do what he's supposed to do. Maybe he'll quit evading his responsibility. And and uh, let's not be enablers for that person to avoid his responsibility. There are people that come by the office every week, come by the church building here every week, oftentimes wanting money and and things very specifically. Not just, will you help me? But will you do this and this and this for me? Here's the way I answer it. And it's been a dilemma and it always will be, I suppose. What, how do you know when you're enabling and how do you know when you're, you're not, you know, I, I've always wanted to err on the side of grace than on the, the other side and not help somebody that really needed it. But here's a, a principle that I think is true. We should always help a person that needs help. But help doesn't always come in the form in which they're asking. I think that we should always help a person. When somebody comes to the church and says, I need help, I think we should help them. But that doesn't mean I give them $20. That doesn't mean I give them everything they ask for. It may mean true help may mean I say no because I won't enable you anymore to evade responsibility that God has given you. So there are commands that God says that you know we might find a little bit startling. Stop praying. Don't feed everyone that's hungry. And and look at the third one. How about stop preaching? Wait. I thought we had this great commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Yes, we do. We're, we're to do that. But did you know there are times when God says, stop preaching? Turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 7. This is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew chapter 7, he makes this statement in verse 8, where he says, or, um, well, let me see, where is that? Verse 6, excuse me. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under your feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Don't cast your pearls before the swine. That's, that imagery suggests this. We have the gospel. It's precious. It is of great value. 
And, and we're to take this gospel and give it to people and, and share it with them. But, you know, if they have no appreciation for that at all, if they are of the mindset and of the judgment and of the makeup that they disdain and despise what you have shared with them, he says, stop doing it. Move on. Go to somebody else that's receptive. We can't simply keep trying to make certain people do something if they have a disposition that says, I want nothing part of it. And they have a contempt for that very thing. Now, I know that there are people that have all their life, you know, rejected the gospel and eventually through persistence and prayer that they come around. I'm not talking about those kind of people. I don't think the Lord's talking about those kind of people. He's talking about people that are so hardened that they have lost their sense of discernment. They're just like an animal. You could throw a pearl down in front, and that pig is not going to respect and appreciate a pearl. They'll see it as any other stone. They have no discernment in them. They've that hardened. They've hardened themselves to that degree. Jesus says... Don't waste your time. Go on to other people. So, yeah, there are times when Jesus says, stop teaching. Move on. Go to other people. And again, we're not talking about, well, I preached the gospel at that location one time and nobody responded to the invitation, so I'll never go back there and preach to them again. No, he's talking to people. Look at the Apostle Paul. Who would have thought Paul would have ever obeyed the gospel? Paul wasn't a rebellious sort. He didn't have a fist clenched toward God. He was just misdirected. He was sincere and honest in what he was doing. He just didn't know the truth. That's not the kind of person we're talking about here. We're talking about people that have so dulled their senses that they have no discernment about them. They have no appreciation for that which is holy. They are past, as, as Paul put it in Ephesians, they are past the point of feeling. They can't be touched. I find it interesting, too, and this is just a side note that for your consideration, and you might even want to draw an arrow in your Bible, but look at what this is coming from. Matthew 7, verse 6. What was just said six verses earlier? Judge not that you be not judged. But in order to do what Jesus said in verse 6, you're going to have to have some kind of judgment and discernment about you, aren't you? How do you know if a person is comparable to a pig that doesn't appreciate the value of a pearl? You're going to have to make a judgment about that. You're going to have to look at their life and determine, are these guys playing games? Or are they just seekers that haven't found the answer yet? Are they hard-hearted or are they soft-hearted, but they just don't know? That demands judgment. This verse in seven one isn't condemning all judging. In fact, it's demanded before he gets done talking about it in verse 6. So, just a unique perspective to look at some of the commandments of God, some commandments of God that he's given us that we would never have probably thought. Would he really have said that? You mean God commanded us not to feed the hungry? Yeah, he did. You mean God commanded us to stop praying? Yeah, he did. The Israelites, he said, stop praying and move forward. 
You mean God would say, stop preaching to people? Yes, he did. There are certain ones whose heart are so hard, they have no appreciation for what is holy. Move on. Spend your time trying to reach other people. The point of this lesson is just simply this. There are commandments that maybe we're not um, aware of. There are things that we'll learn that the Lord has to say to us that we haven't yet quite run across. But when we do, part of being a disciple of Jesus is following him in all things. Again, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and, and I'll be with you till the end of the world. The, the, the ability to be a disciple of Jesus, or the definition of a disciple of Jesus, is one who has been baptized and one who is willing to follow Jesus in all things, obey him in all things. Not just the commandments that we expect to hear and that we already knew of, But when we learn new truths, when we come across things we've never thought of before, we have to have the mindset, I am going to follow him in that as well. So let's be better disciples of Jesus. Let's be committed disciples of Jesus and and give diligence to obeying whatever he commands us to obey. If you're here this evening and you're not yet a child of God, Now's the time to do that. Become a disciple of Jesus. How do I do that? Well, Matthew 28. Be baptized into Christ and, and rise up with the, the goal and the dedication and the desire, the commitment to follow him, whatever he asks you to do. That's how you become a Christian. If you haven't done that, we'll, we'll assist you in that this morning or this evening. And if you are a child of God and unfaithful and it's time to get your life right and you know that, we'll pray with you. To that end, if you'll come as we stand together and sing.